Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. So uh, the reason I'm over here on the uh, worship stage is I'd like to begin today's sermon with a little ditty I wrote. Oh, thank you, Breno. Uh, um, we're not the same height is why he's doing that. Uh, a, a few years ago, I wrote a little ditty based on a story that Yeshua told about holiness and being upright. Not yet. It's the big reveal, Jason. There we go. Okay. So it's, it's, based on a, <laughs> um, it's based on a parable, a story from Yeshua. This is from uh, Luke 18. And if you catch on to the tune, feel free to sing along with me. And it's uh, in the style that's very similar to the Mode Ani that we sang at the top of, of the service, right? So, uh, so I hope you enjoy it. It's a very musical service today. Lord, I'm a sinner, have 
Well, thanks for helping me out with that one. <laughs> In case you're wondering, the style of that song is known as Jewgrass. <laughs> like bluegrass, but never mind. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, I really like what uh, Rabbi David Stern says about this in his new Jewish New Testament commentary. Oh, thank you. I didn't even know you could play guitar. <laughs> I didn't either. It's a miracle. <laughs> he's, he's his brother's keeper. Thank you. All right. I got to work on the dad jokes, you know, because it's, uh, we got a month left. So Rabbi David Stern in his uh, Jewish New Testament commentary says this about uh, the story that we just told. Um, quote, because those who reject the gospel sometimes accuse evangelists of acting holier than thou. Have you ever heard that? that before. It is noteworthy that it was Isaiah who first used that phrase, referring to Israel in rebellion against God. They say, stand apart, don't come near me, for I am holier than thou. Uh, Isaiah 65, 6. Unfortunately, God's people are susceptible to this most offensive of sins, against which both Tanakh and New Testament severely warn, religious pride, unquote. So the Pharisee is a, is a learned man, knowledgeable about Torah, and quite observant. But notice that his quote-unquote prayer, it's all about himself, right? Whereas the tax collector is ironically upright because he is humble, right? So how can you be upright because you're bent down low? That's the paradox of holiness and uprightness. The tax collector was justified or upright, upstanding, Yashar, because he was low and humble, whereas the Pharisee was not upright because he was full of religious pride, right? And we see that's kind of a narrative in the whole of scriptures. God raises up the proud, right? And he brings down, uh, no, sorry, scratch that. Okay. <laughs> I'm a little tired this morning, but I got it. I'm with you. I was just, I threw that in to see if you're paying attention. Yeah, okay. I did that on purpose. Um, so he raises up the humble, right, and brings down the proud, right? And that's uh, throughout the scriptures and in, in the uh, opening of Luke. Luke's gospel talks a lot about that. So we want to be holy, but we don't want to be holier than thou, all right? So how do we do that? And that brings us to this week's Parsha, which is about being holy. And what's the Hebrew word for that? Kadosh, yes. Um, and then being upright, which uh, we might learn a new word, it's yashar, is being upright. Yes, Kathy knew it. All right, can you say yashar? Yashar is upright. So the name of the Parsha comes from, uh, every Parsha comes from the first significant word in the Torah portion. And uh, the first sentence of this week uh, is a doozy. All right, it's, uh, but I think it's, it's, it, it covers the theme of the whole, this whole section. This is what it says. Adonai spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation of B'nai Yisrael and tell them, you shall be Kedoshim, holy, for I, Adonai, your God, am holy. Whoa. You shall be holy 
because God is holy. That's a, that's a tall order, isn't it? Right? That's intimidating. Let that sink in for a moment. Right? What do you think uh, the, the sages, when they read this, what do you think they were thinking? They were like, that's a good one. I need to, I need to ponder that. Right? Our, our rabbis, our sages thought about this and they linked it to the idea of being yashar or being upright. Um, this is how Deuteronomy 6.18 puts it. Uh, in the beginning of the Hebrew says this, Ve'asita ha-yashar ve'hatov. Right? You might know some of those words. You are to do what is right, and tov is good. Right? In the sight of Adonai, so that it may go well with you, you may go in and possess the good land that Adonai swore to your fathers. The word yashar, upright, has the same root as the word yosher, which is the, the noun, uprightness. Did you know that there's a tour company called Yosher Tours? Did you know that? Founded by Sherry and Scott Moore, right here. And what do they do? They take folks to Israel. And I asked uh, this week, I asked Sherry why they chose that name. She explained they wanted to run their business with integrity, right? Uprightness. And to do right by people. And to remember always that it's a ministry. So they're introducing folks to the, the Holy Land, the land of the scriptures, the land of Yeshua and Moses and David, right? And so that folks can encounter the land of the Bible and experience that blessing. In other words, the Moors are not in it for the money, although, you know, that's, that's nice, you know, but they're not out to gouge, you know, gouge people. They want to bless people, right? So they make it as affordable as possible in order to... To, to be a blessing. So it would not be very uh, yashar of me to accept money for promoting their business in this sermon. So sorry, I can't, can't do that, uh, that underhanded deal. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Um, they're not, <laughs> no kickbacks here, right? But uh, that's the idea of yosher. Also, yosher doubles as a way to get Sherry Moore's attention. Yosher, how's it going? No, okay. Uh, at least I know I, I'm supposed to be a rabbi, not a comedian. That's I, you're affirming me in my calling by not laughing. I appreciate that. The best way to be upright is to do what? To stand up. So let's all stand up as you're able, right? Let's do the traditional mid-sermon stretch, right? Isn't that a thing? Okay, here we go. So what does it mean to stand now that we're all standing? What does it mean to be, to be upright, to be yashar? It means we have integrity. We're not bent over, right? Uh, crooked, right? But we're straightened, right? Think about all those, all those phrases that we know. Straight, my, my uncle used to say, straighten up and fly right. Have you ever heard that? Right? I've got to get things straightened out, right? And uh, we're, we're, we're aligned with heaven when we do this, right? We're, it's a, like a plumb line, as it says in the prophets. Okay, so let's, while we're standing, let's read some prophets with the word yashar in it to get a sense of it. Now that we have a physical sense and a mental sense. Let's read this together. For the upright, yashar, will inherit the land. Those with integrity will remain in it. This is from Proverbs 11. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. 
And the last one from Proverbs 15, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. Amen? All right, you may be seated. You get a sense of that uprightness? Okay, this is good. So it's, what is it? It's a moral integrity, right? Doing what is right, you know, all the time, you know, no matter who we're around, even if we're alone. Being honest in our dealings, right? Treating others with equity and kindness. Prioritizing people over things or money. Being yashar is part of what it means to be holy. So the intense commandment to be kadosh, to be holy, holy as God is holy, could be thought of as being upright and being humble. Right? We're kind of gathering a sense of, of what this means. Looking at the context, there's a bunch of commandments right after the, the opening statement. And we see the themes of moral goodness and humility play out. So here's some excerpts from uh, Leviticus 19. So let's see if we can spot any patterns. This isn't the whole chapter, but it uh, has some, some pieces of it so we can get a sense of, uh, of what holiness is. So again, the opening, opening uh, uh, verse of the Parsha, Adonai spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation of B'nai Israel and tell them, you shall be Kadoshim, for I, Adonai your God, am holy. Each one of you is to respect his mother and father and keep my Shabbats. I am Adonai your God. Do not turn to idols or make molten gods for yourself. I am Adonai your God. When you reap the harvest of your land, you are not to reap the very corners of your field, nor are you to gather the gleanings of your harvest. You are not to pick the remnants of your vineyard, nor are you to gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You are to leave them for who? For the poor, for the outsider, right? The stranger. I am Adonai, your God. You are not to steal. You are not to lie. You are not to deceive one another. You are not to oppress your neighbor, nor rob him. The wages of a hired servant are not to remain with you all night until the morning, right? You are not to curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall revere your God, fear your God, I am Adonai. You are not to go up and down as a talebearer among your people. You are not to endanger the life of your neighbor, I am Adonai. You are not to hate your brother in your heart. Instead, you are to firmly re rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. You are not to take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, isn't that a nice context for that? I love that. I am Adonai. You are to rise up in the presence of the gray-haired and honor the presence of the elderly, so you will fear your God. I am Adonai. If an outsider dwells with you in your land, you should do him no wrong. The outsider dwelling among you shall be to you as the native born among you. You should love him as yourself. Mm. For you dwelled as outsiders in the land of Egypt. I am Adonai your God. Remember all these instructions are after the commandment to be holy. So we understand, okay, God is showing us what it means to be holy here. So the sages took this as a way to understand holiness. What I see in these verses um, is moral brightness, uprightness, honoring your parents, honoring the aged, not holding a grudge. The verse says to stand up in the presence of the gray-haired. So maybe we need to stand up again, but just the young people this time, right? But how would we decide who is young? Oh, that's, 
I just turned 40, so what category am I in? Do I stand or am I, am I the gray-haired? I don't know. Oh, I'm young. Thank you, Jason. All right. And how old are you? You're, you're not younger than me, but you're, you're vibrant, though. You're very youthful. So uh, putting aside these controversies, the main idea here is, is uprightness, standing up, right? In many ways, these instructions uh, remind us of another part of the Bible, right? Another famous part. Did it remind you of the Ten Commandments? Yeah. That, what does that focus on? Loving God and loving your neighbor, right? Doesn't explicitly say love your neighbor, but those are, that's the idea between not stealing, not coveting, etc. When we show honor to the aged, when we show honor to our parents, we, when we celebrate and affirm and praise others, what does that require us to do? We have to look outside ourselves, right? We can't, it can't all be about me if we're showing honor and thinking about the poor and the one that's marginalized, the one that's other, thinking about loving our neighbor. In doing some prep for this sermon, I listened to a teaching from Rabbi Reuben Brand of Yeshiva University, um, who he went through this uh, very important work in Orthodox Judaism called Sha'arei Yosher. There's the word Yosher again. Uh, born in Belarus in 1860, uh, Rav Shimon Shkop was the dean of a yeshiva and a renowned Talmudic scholar. He authored, uh, Rav Shimon authored Sha'arei Yosher, which means the gates of, what's Yosher? The upright, right? The uprightness. Uh, one of our key words for today. In this work, he puzzled over uh, the main commandment that we saw, as did many sages, right? How can we be holy as God is holy? So Rabbi Rubin explained this work uh, from Rav Shimon, and this, this is some uh, that I learned from him. Some of the sages thought that to be holy meant to be perushim, right? What is perushim? That means separate. Perushim is the Hebrew word for Pharisee, yes, right? So some of them thought, like the Pharisees, oh, I can be holy if I'm separate, if I'm more like a perush, if I'm more like a Pharisee, right? Remember, this is the sect of Judaism during Yeshua's time. They were very strict adherents of the Torah. They separated themselves uh, from other Jews in many ways, and they tended toward, as we saw in the story song, religious pride. Um, not all of them, of course, right? Paul was a Pharisee, right? So we don't want to lump them all as, as bad, but there is that, that tendency, okay? Um, and we saw uh, that the, in the parable at the beginning, right, that this is kind of the Pharisaic way of, of being separate. So separateness is a part of holiness, right? We understand that it's in, in some ways set apart, right? The, the, the Shabbat is separate, is holy from the rest of the week. But I don't think holiness is essentially just about being separate, and especially not in Leviticus 19 in the context we're talking about, right? When, when, it, when it says, be holy as God is holy, and we just like, oh, I can just be separate, you know, and, and be a little holier than now. No, that's not quite it, right? So does it mean to be totally spiritual, right? Like God, right? Is that what it means to be holy? Because God doesn't need anything. So we're separating from excess. Probably not, right? 
although we don't want to tend toward excess, but it's impossible for us as humans to be like God in that way, right? Because he, God doesn't need anything, but he's just a giver, and we want to move toward that, but we're, we're not holy in the same way. So Rav Shimon landed on this definition of holiness. I really like this. To be holy is to be devoted to the good of others, to the good of the community, to love our neighbor as ourselves, right? Which, of course, is in this week's Parsha, the very famous uh, commandment. So the question then comes, how can we focus on the needs of others and still tend to our own needs? Have you ever thought about that? Is there a tension there? Yeah, so what's the correct balance? Rav Shimon solved this paradox by explaining the meaning of ani. Those of you who know Hebrew, what is ani? means me or I, right? Uh, so he expanded that meaning, right? If I am indelibly linked to others, then I care for myself as I care for them. That's the, I think, the spirit of the original commandment. Love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? They go, they're linked together. I think this is also the idea behind the New Covenant verse in Ephesians 5. See if we can find this idea. This is uh, Paul um, writing. This is how husbands ought to love their wives, like their own bodies, right? For the man who loves his wife is loving himself. Why, no one ever hated his own flesh. On the contrary, he feeds it well and takes care of it, just as the Messiah does the Messianic community, because we are parts of his body. Right? So this is saying, I naturally care for Sonia, because in some ways she's an extension of myself. Right? We're connected, so it's, not, it's, a, it's a natural progression of loving my neighbor, loving my wife as I love myself, right? Rabbi Rubin also explains that he, uh, uh, that he named his son Aryeh in this talk after Reb Aryeh Levin, born in Russia in 1885. Uh, and here's some, so he told some stories about Reb Aryeh that are relevant to this theme. So Reb Aryeh visited the doctor with his wife and said this well-known quote in the Orthodox Jewish community. This is what he said. Doctor, my wife's foot is hurting us. That's what he said. Another time, Reb Aryeh was taking a bus to visit a prison. The bus driver asked him, who are you going to visit? He replied, I have a son who's there. Right? What was he talking about? He, wasn't, he didn't have a literal son that was there. He related to those in prison as part of him, like his children. Right? If our children do well, if they, even if they surpass us, right, we're not uh, bitter by that because they're an extension of us, right? So we're happy for them, right? That is loving our children as we love ourselves, right? Or loving our neighbor or loving our spiritual sons or spiritual daughters as we love ourselves. Um, to love your neighbor as, your, as you love yourself as an extension of yourself, why do we do that? Because you belong to your neighbor and your neighbor belongs to you, and we all belong to God. The Torah says, love your neighbor. So what's the next question we have that the sages debated? What's the next natural question? Well, well, who, yes, who's my neighbor? Exactly, right? Didn't they debate this in the Gospels, right? Some of the sages say, well, it's our fellow Jew. 
you know, right? That's our neighbor. But Rev Shimon, in this work, said that the totality of the universe, all of humanity, are connected to Ani, right? That's, that's really my neighbor. Yeshua affirms this in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Samaritans, remember, in Second Temple Judaism were excluded, and they were looked down upon by the wider Jewish community, right? Similar to the tax collector in the other story. Now, a certain lawyer, Torah lawyer, stood up to entrap Yeshua, saying, Teacher, what should I do to gain eternal life? Then Yeshua said to him, What has been written in the Torah? How do you read it? And he replied, You shall love Adonai your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Yeshua said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But wanting to vindicate himself, right? He said to Yeshua, then who is my neighbor? See, we've been thinking about this for 2,000 years, right? We're just now figuring it out. It's okay. We're in process. Okay. Yeshua replied, a certain man was going down from Jer Jerusalem to Jericho. He was attacked by robbers who stripped him and beat him. Then they left, abandoning him as half dead. And by chance, a Kohen, a priest, was going down that road. But when he saw the man, he passed by on the opposite side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the opposite side. But a Samaritan who was traveling came upon him. And when he noticed the man, he felt compassion. He went up to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then setting him on his own animal, he brought him to a lodge for travelers and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, which is the, the money, and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. Whatever else you spend upon my return, I will repay you myself. Which of these three, see how he flips it, which of these three seems to you a neighbor to the one attacked by the robbers? And he said, the one who showed mercy to him. And Yeshua said to him, go and you do the same. So this is a cult, this is a whole flipperoo, right? The old switcheroo. The one who is my neighbor is the one who is originally the other, right? And I am obligated to be a neighbor to him, right? That's, it's a different way to think about it, right? Rather than thinking, who is my neighbor, you assume that you assume that they are, and how can I be a neighbor, right? How can I be a neighbor to them? I make him part of my circle by showing kindness, by showing compassion. This is a very special kind of humility, right? It's not about putting yourself down in order to bless others, but it's extending your circle of belonging, right? The same as I would naturally bless and think of my wife or think of my child as an extension of me. It's just saying, extend that a little further. Extend that a little further to the other, to the person that maybe you don't know so well, to your enemy, right? The person that's hurt you, right? Extending that kind of neighborliness. The central ideas in this Parsha of holiness and humility, loving your neighbor, being upright, I think they're very well summed up in another New Covenant verse. This is from 1 Peter 1, and uh, let's read it together. Therefore, get your minds ready for work, keep yourselves under control, and fix your hopes fully on the gift you will receive when Yeshua the Messiah is revealed.
As people who obey God, do not let yourselves be shaped by the evil desires you used to have when you were still ignorant. On the contrary, following the Holy One who called you, become holy yourselves in your entire way of life, since the Tanakh says, you are to be holy because I am holy. Rav Shimon, in his work, Sharei Yashar, Yosher, puts it this way, and I, I really liked uh, what he said, so I, I, I'm including the whole quote uh, from, from this sage. Blessed shall be the creator, and exalted shall be the maker, who created us in his image, and in the likeness of his structure, and planted eternal life within us, so that our greatest desire should be to do good to others, to individuals and to the masses, now and in the future, in imitation of the Creator, as it were. For everything he created and formed was according to his will, blessed be he, that is only to be good to, his, to the creations. So too his will is that we walk in his ways, as it says, and you will follow his ways. This means that we, the select of what he made, must constantly hold as our purpose the sanctification making holy, right, of our physical and spiritual powers for the good of the many, according to our abilities. In my opinion, this whole concept is including in God's mitzvah, be holy for I am holy, Rav Shimon, unquote, right? But maybe this concept stretches, stresses you out a little bit, right? Being holy as God is holy, that can lead to another extreme, which is perfectionism. God is perfect and upright. God is Kadosh and Yashar. God's Torah is perfect and upright, enlightening our eyes. But we, we're not. These principles are not a measuring stick so we can beat up on ourselves, right? We have to be perfect. That's not what it is. What are they? They're foundations for a full life with God. Why? Because God is relational. His Torah is relational. This community is relational. When we do things for a dear loved one, we find it easy because our heart is to bless. What the sages and what the new covenant are saying is that it's just an expansion of these acts of love to those outside of our family, those outside of our friends. Our neighbor is not just the one we like. Our neighbor is our enemy. Our neighbor is the one that we consider to be other. Folks often ask me, what's the best way to share the gospel with Jewish people? Or in general, what's the best way to share the gospel? Based on my experience and the scriptures we looked at today, I would say, be relational. I knew God was real because of faithful Christians, faithful, real followers of Yeshua, who spoke into my life, right? In a way that I was like, oh, God is real. Because they were able to, to speak things that, that I knew God told them, right? I didn't, I didn't have to explain myself, right? They, they just knew because God was working in and through them, right? To speak kindness, right? And these were folks that they expanded their prayers and they expanded their kindness to me, right? And that's, that's, how, that's how I came to know the Lord. They knew what to say because God spoke through them. 
you know, religious people, myself included, sometimes we're more like the Pharisees, right? We're more like the separated ones. But uh, we really should be more like Yeshua, right? Because he's the one we're following. So maybe we need to make a course correction today, right? So that we can be what? So we can be upright, yashar, and holy, and humble all at the same time, right? That's my prayer for our community. Avinu, Father, we thank you that you are a restorer of hearts, that you help us to make course corrections, that you have given us the sages and you've given us these beautiful scriptures to meditate on and think about. And I pray that none of us would beat ourselves up and uh, turn on ourselves in order to be holy, but that we would lower ourselves and admit that we need your help and that we would take these, um, these ideas of Kadosh and Yashar as foundational and help us to expand our already, uh, already we have a heart to bless those that we love our spouses and our children and our families. Help us to just extend that, that blessing to really, um, to really be um, made in your image because you send rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. And you are, um, as my wife reminded us, slow to anger and quick to forgive, Lord. So help us to be um, conformed to your image more and more, not as a striving, but out of love, out of a relationship with you and relationship with others. Um, and help us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen.